award-winning French startup Zac aims to give a second life to every electronic product, helping customers eradicate their waste. Hello and welcome to the Circular Economy podcast, where we find out how circular approaches are better for people, planet and profit. I'm Catherine Wheatman of Rethink Global, and I'll be chatting with those people making the circular economy happen, rethinking how we design, make and use everything. We'll talk to entrepreneurs and business owners, social enterprises and leading thinkers. You'll find the show notes, links and transcripts at circulareconomypodcast.com, where you can subscribe to updates and our fortnightly edition of Circular Insights. Welcome back to the Circular Economy podcast. And if you're a new listener, I hope you like it. It's episode 64, and today I'm with Pierre-Emmanuel Saint-Esprit, the co-founder of Zac, France's leading company enabling the second life of electronic products through recycling, repair, resale and donation. Last year, the Tech for Good report by the Presidency of the French Republic named Zac as one of the top three French circular companies. Pierre-Emmanuel has won multiple awards and is nominated in the Forbes France 30 Under 30 Entrepreneurs List. Pierre-Emmanuel is also Professor of Circular Economy, President of the ESSEC Alumni Entrepreneurs Club, Pioneer of the Ellen MacArthur Foundation for the Circular Economy, among other mentoring and advisory roles. Pierre-Emmanuel explains how his MBA in entrepreneurship at Berkeley, California, helped him create a business to fight climate change and reduce our pressure on natural resources. We hear how the Zac co-founders tested their minimum viable product concept so they could get clear on the value proposition. Pierre-Emmanuel explains how Zac works with customers through the process, understanding the potential outcomes for the end-of-use products, processing the equipment and building up detailed impact and financial reports for customers. We discuss the cognitive bias we all suffer from, where we focus on the short term, often favouring the lowest price. And I mention Willful Blindness, an excellent book I've just been reading by Margaret Heffernan. This episode's slightly longer than usual as we cover lots. Have a listen and I'll catch up with you afterwards with my takeaways and other news. Pierre-Emmanuel, welcome to the Circular Economy podcast. Thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here with you today. And I'm curious to know, first of all, a bit more about your background and how you came to start, Zach. Yeah, sure. Um, very simply, I, I did some uh, commercial school and uh, I had a master uh, at Berkeley, the University of California, Berkeley, in entrepreneurship. And I just wanted to, to co-found a company. And what is incredible with circular economy is that you can, you know, at the same time, you can do business and create an economic model, recruit people, create some values. And at the same time, you respect the planet and uh, you, you just build a case where you won't, uh, you know, exhaust the, the natural resources and it will help to fight against climate change. And this is what was quite passionate for me. I, my parents um, are not from, a, I would say, ecological background. Uh, me neither. Uh, I didn't uh, 
grew up in this and what we wanted with Zach was just you know to yes to to create an economic model where we can help with our ends and with our minds uh, the fight against climate change and against the fact that we use too many too many natural resources each year. Mm. So did you go into the MBA with the intention of starting something that would help fight climate change? Or did that emerge as you were learning more about what was happening and so on? No. Yeah, no, it it emerged during the um, during during the MBA. And the fact is that we we needed to um, you know to form some groups of students uh, to um, with just to have a student project. And my co-founder came with his idea to help people to get rid of stuff, uh, you know, use stuff very easily. And it's true today that it's quite complicated when you have a used stuff at home uh, to find the right way to recycle them, uh, to find the right way maybe to, to earn some money. And our first idea was to, you know, to go door to door, to door in the Berkeley neighborhood. And we were with some uh, boxes in our hands. We were asking people uh, around, around Berkeley if... Uh, they have any uh, stuff they want to, to get rid of, and just they, they were giving uh, they gave us a lot of things, uh, not only electronic products at these times. And um, our idea, our value proposition was to say, well, we will come back to you in maybe five days, ten days, uh, with um, with some money because we will be able to to sell it uh, on marketplaces such as eBay, such as you know Craigslist in, in the USA. So it was really the beginning. Of Zach, it was not really um, only about climate change. It was about to create a solution that answers a customer needs and at the same time uh, is able to, to fight uh, against, uh, against waste uh, and, you know, against climate change. And my conviction is really that we have to do both at the same time to embark the maximum of people uh, possible uh, to be sure that we have a, a massive transition. Mm, I agree. In the last episode where I do every 10th episode, I do a roundup of... Um, themes from right. previous episodes and what had been on my mind was the focus of most businesses switching to circular being more about including some recycled content making yeah. things more recyclable or switching to new generation materials and none of yeah. that is really addressing the bigger problem um, you know none yeah. of that really makes much difference to carbon emissions because all the recycled materials take a lot of yeah. energy to to produce um so i started yeah, right. to focus more on you know how how do we help make the case for extending the life of products or putting yeah. them into sharing systems and so on yeah. but, but obviously we've got to close easy. the loop as yeah. we've got to close the loop as well <laughs> um but it's got yeah. to be it's got to be more about um you know the whole system hasn't it not just tinkering a bit with the makeup mm. of of what you're producing and I'm sure we will come back on this later, but it's quite complicated to to find the right model. Uh, as you just mentioned, there are a lot of uh, people that are trying to do some circular economy, trying to find uh, sustainable solutions. Um, what we have funded, so it was in 2015, we were at Berkeley in 2015. It's very different to uh, what we are doing today. I think we experienced something like five economic models uh, from 2015 to, uh, well, 2021, um, because there are a lot of things, a lot of parameters to, uh, to just to, to see, such as, of course, uh, do the customer like what we do and uh, 
are we able to have a, a massive customer acquisition? And is um, is it possible uh, to earn enough money uh, with that economic model and to have you know a, a structure that can last over the years and so on and so on? So it's very complicated. Sometimes you have you know you have some ideas, you think they are perfect, it's very easy, it's obvious to implement it, and then maybe the market uh, has a different reaction to uh, to what you you were feeling. So yeah, we, we need to try. Maybe in a few years. It's going to be easier because the society and our customer habits will be more circular, so it will be easier to implement new models. But for now, most of the time, you you fight against you know habits from the past. Really, mm. that, yeah, that's fascinating, and um, I, it, you know, it's pretty inspiring to hear that you've gone through five different economic models. Mm. So it's kind of keeping to evolve and uh, and pivot. Uh, on the on the route on the way to finding out finding something that really works to make the business financially sustainable so perhaps you could explain a bit more about what Zach actually actually does having started with that minimum viable product back in 2015 collecting from people's doors what does what does it look like now yeah so basically what we want to, to do is to give a second life to every used electronic product. The idea is to eradicate uh, e-waste. So, you know, a lot of products are directly considered uh, as waste. So we go uh, into a company's headquarters and we pick up every used electronic products and accessories. So it could be computers, it could be phones, uh, it could be scanners, it could be uh, a lot of different things. Then we make an inventory of every electronic products in our um, logistics center. And we can say that thanks to this inventory, that this product can be sa- can be sold, sorry. So it can be, a, uh, it can have a, a, another use, another, another life. This product can be uh, given to a charity. Uh, this product maybe can be repaired. And finally, this is the last solution. The product is recycled if it is not possible to do uh, to do something else. So uh, I think we're really lacking this. A lot of products go directly to recycling, and sometimes uh, go directly into streets or into oceans. But uh, sometimes we say, okay, it's perfect because this is recycled. But uh, of course, as you say before, recycling consumes a lot of energies. Most of the time, we are not able to uh, recycle everything in the products. The small part, mm-hmm. um, and everything then is a waste in um, in burning. I would say. Mm. Uh, so the idea is to to optimize uh, the song life the product, and then thirty days after the pickup of the products uh, inside the company, we come back with a financial report. So we are able to say, uh, okay, thanks to your action, we have sold your products for two thousand euros. So this is a win-win, and we come back also with a big CSR report. In this CSR report, we indicate how much uh, CO2 emissions uh, has been avoided thanks to this action because uh, new natural resources won't be uh, extracted, uh, won't, won't travel all over the world, and so on. We give a lot of information about the volumes of products, about the uh, specific natural resources contained uh, into the products, such as lithium, uh, terra, rare earth, I don't know how to say mm, it in English. Yeah, yeah, so yeah rare, so rare earth minerals, yeah. Yeah, yeah thank you. And, um, and then this report can be integrated, you know, in extra financial reports of the companies. And we know after the COVID-19 crisis and maybe there is a momentum, a lot of companies are looking to reduce their emissions and are looking also to, to have some proof uh, and to have some figures 
numbers about uh, the action. So this CSR report is hyper important uh, to show really um, what they do, really the impact, and to have also um, a great traceability of the products because everything, this is our choice, but everything is sold, given, or recycled in France. So we are sure that we don't mm. produce emissions by making all the products traveling. It is our choice because if we want to launch a country, for example, Spain or Germany, we have to rebuild everything, the entire logistic supply chain. But uh, because if you collect some product in Spain and then you make them travel into France, uh, it's complicated at the end to have, you know, a good carbon balance and the same. But, uh, but this is what we do. And we have also a service for customers, so for individuals. If you have any items at home, so in France and Belgium, you can use our website, that, uh, zac.eco. Uh, and the idea is to, to create a reverse marketplace. So very concretely, on a basic marketplace, mm -hmm. you can buy something. On a reverse marketplace, you can get rid of something. And the reverse marketplace is going to indicate you what can be sold or what can be given or what can be recycled. And you have a wallet, such as a, a Lydia wallet or a bank account. And we're going to credit your bank account with the, with the amount we have been able to uh, uh, to receive thanks uh, to the selling of your products. Mm. So, so a really full solution then for both businesses and customers. And just coming back yeah. to the business CSR report, I'm interested mm -hmm. to understand a bit more about how you um, quantify the the materials impact. Is that at a generic level? So, you know, a laptop would typically be a laptop that's reused will typically save this much carbon. Um, you know, this it'll contain this much plastic, or is it a kind of specific manufacturer model level of detail? Um, so, you know, uh, an iPad is this, a Samsung tablet is is different. Yeah, thanks to our past activities and past economic models, we have built um, we have a lot of preferences. Uh, in our data system, uh, because uh, in 2018, for example, we, we made some estimation of products. So you, you had an estimation of your product, B2C or B2B, before you get rid of that. So we have a lot of uh, big data infrastructure with a lot of references of electric products. And so we were just a range that we added, saying that for this reference, so for example, an iPad in 2018, um, in this state and so on, uh, if you uh, if you give a second life to this product, so you don't recycle it, you don't uh, dismantle it, you're going to spare uh, X ton equivalent CO2. So this is for each reference. We are able to to say that, and that what we do thanks to the inventory, we calculate line by line, uh, item by item, what has been uh, spared thanks to that. Of course, when it comes to, um, um, for example, accessories uh, such as I don't know. Uh, Lightner or so on, uh, small accessories. Uh, this is um, a rough uh, mm, more calculation. generic, yeah, more, more generic calculation. But we we want to do something very specific and to be very precise, uh, to be to be sure that uh, it's not greenwashing, but it is really a, a true engaged action to to fight against e-waste and to reduce uh, the environmental footprint of of the company. Mm, good stuff. And we have been um, we have been. Uh, this model has been validated by the ADEM, so the French Agency for the Environment, because we are labeled by ADEM uh, 
entreprises engagées pour la transition écologique. So, uh, company fighting for the ecological transition in France. And we are able to deliver an award, a certificate to the companies that fight e-waste with uh, the Zach service. It's a certificate that uh, really, uh, uh, well, certifies, <laughs> mm. uh, basically, that uh, this company uh, uh, does true actions against uh, against this, uh, this plague. Really. Mm. So there must be quite a lot of IP included in all of that intellectual property you know that that's part of your company's um specific offer yeah we're not very good at that to be uh, to be honest uh maybe because uh, we're seeing quite young entrepreneurs and maybe a bit naive uh, but um but we're not very good at, uh, at uh, intellectual property i would say but yes we have to protect uh, we have to protect our, our science i would say mm. <laughs> to dig more deeper into that yes yes So just going back to the transactions that you have with individual people, do you yeah. give them, um, it, when, the, when the products come in and can be reused, do you apply a standard to those that gives people an insight into how good the condition is and do you offer a warranty to sit behind the reused products? How, how does all that work? You mean financially speaking? Do we give them a, a reward, a financial reward? No. When you when you sell oh, on sorry. the re, so any products that have come yeah. in from one customer, you've yeah. inspected them, decided they're good enough for reuse, so mm -hmm. they then get sold on. Are you selling them directly to other people, or do they go into yeah, no. another another reuse partner? How does that work? Yeah. Well, some some of um, some of the devices are reconditioned, refurbished, sorry, mm -hmm. by uh, by our factory. Uh, but most of them are sold to other refurbishers, so mm -hmm. professional refurbishers in France, okay. on the French territory, and they just uh, repair the product, uh, refurbish it uh, totally, and then are able to sell them on other marketplaces. So the idea is that really we have a traceability all along the chain. Uh, we are able to say this product can be reused. He has been repaired and refurbished by this actor, and then it has been sold finally a second time, uh, for example, on back market. Yeah. But mm. uh, we, we, have for, we, we have for clients a lot of uh, refurbishers uh, in France. Right, I understand, yeah. And, and hopefully yeah. all the capabilities there in terms of partners that you can link up to that do refurbishment, remanufacturing, hopefully that's all a growing market as people realise that um, you know, there's so much stuff going to waste that, that could be repurposed. What we want to do and what explains also the evolution in terms of economic models from Zach, that we want to, um, to convince the maximum uh, refurbishers to accept new types of electronic products. Mm. Uh, for example, uh, nowadays, everybody knows that you can repair an iPhone or a MacBook. It's uh, a big market on the second hand market and a very lucrative market. But uh, sometimes you have other types of products uh, where refurbishers think this is not a, a good idea because there is not going to be a demand uh, for, for second use, uh, second hand items. And our role is also to say, well, you can try, you can try to uh, uh, maybe to to take back this uh, I don't know uh, uh, 200 uh, devices and maybe you will find uh, something uh, you will find some interest and you are going to create a second hand market on this category you're going to be a pioneer and you're going to earn a lot of money uh, by doing so so the idea is really to expand uh, the, the the market on circular economy um, because at the very beginning of Zach we were doing only Apple products 
because it was okay. the only way uh, to uh, to do uh, to do some uh, some business and we we wanted to expand and this is the story of the last model we wanted to expand finally to uh, a lot of different electronic products and a wide array of electronic products and to be sure that really we were fighting uh, you know e-waste and not only uh, on a specific category and uh, maybe helping uh, plant obsolescence of the uh, uh, the apple brand so this is really uh, something we have everybody to work on to be sure that circular economy is not reduced to only some uh, some products and mm. some categories of uh, industrial specificities uh, otherwise just uh, it just really uh, opens the water mm. and are you able to give any advice to your customers in terms of what kind of products they should be looking to buy in the future so that they can maximize the reuse potential you know, we try to, so yeah. for the for the next batch of purchasers, you know, if you if you buy this brand, it's unlikely to have much reuse value, um, you know, because yeah. it costs so much to to open it up or it's all glued together. So it's a nightmare to try and refurbish it. Whereas if you buy this brand, it's likely to have more value. Is, is that the kind of information that you can that you can give people to help their future purchasers? It's not easy, but we, we try to. Uh, there are some parameters, for example, the durability of the product. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, if uh, the, the product is, uh, you know, designed with uh, eco conception and so on, circular design, and we know that this product is going to last over the years, it could be a good uh, a good investment. Um, sometimes it's not really a question of uh, investing in a new uh, brand or in a new product, but just to realize that there is a market, uh, and not only for brand new products. For example, um, I don't know the term in English, but uh, you know what you use in restaurant to pay with a credit card or mm. anywhere. Just yes. um, the um, yeah, the the, the terminal that, for the for the yeah, yeah exactly. the card terminal uh, payment yeah. terminal. Um, well, you have to know that a lot of um, shops change uh, very often uh, their payment terminals because they need to have you know the latest one. But uh, you maybe next door you have a bakery or you have a, I don't know. Uh, a uh, fashion shop that do, do not care, does not care to have the latest one. And maybe it's going to be uh, very interesting in buying with 40% uh, less um, an, an, a whole generation of payment terminals. Uh, and so this is not really about um, inventing a new product or, or make a bet, just realizing that um, there are different types of, of customers of interest. And maybe um, there is one for second-hand products because this is, of course, uh, uh, cheaper. And this is uh, working the same with uh, with some durability uh, build inside products. Yeah, and I think in tech, the difference between the brand new product and the you know few years old product is getting closer and closer, isn't it? I've, we've we've done yeah. um, interviews with Circular Computing, who do laptops, yeah. high-end laptops from Dell, mm -hmm. Lenovo, and HP, and also Tech Buyer, who do. Um, enterprise servers and storage refurbishment um, and so you know both of them are working on few years old but the you know the Ooh. performance standard is is up in the high 90s compared to the to the new one and so um, just coming back to the business case for your business customers the ones yeah. giving you the, the product um, what what other benefits do they get? So you give them the CSR report. Are they avoiding mm -hmm. a cost of disposing of e-waste? Is that a benefit for them as well? Yeah, you know that um, 
there are different things. Uh, first, they can earn some money mm -hmm. uh, because if our service cost um, is uh, lower than uh, the uh, the amount uh, we uh, we were able to to get from the products at the end, we pay uh, the, the company. So this is quite innovative to be paid by uh, <laughs> by uh, uh, a service provider, I would say. And uh, it happens seventy percent um, of the time. So this is really uh, uh, often. And this is really um, a loss value if you don't come, uh, if you don't use Zach, because uh, a lot of companies realize that they can extract mm -hmm. some financial value from their products because uh, they try for the first time uh, our, our service. So this is really uh, something that uh, I encourage you to, to try. Then um, you know that in France, each individual pays an eco tax when he buys or she buys uh, an electronic product. Uh, so this eco tax go directly to what we call eco organisms, so uh, quite public organization, mm -hmm. uh, which have to organize the second name of all electronic products and other type of waste across the territory. And I'm not sure in France you have a, an obligation for companies to pay uh, a cost of disposal for every types uh, and every, I would say, uh, um, size of companies. So a lot of companies are already avoiding it because there's, and I don't think there is a lot of control and there are a lot of companies that whatever are not um, obligated, it's not mandatory for them to um, to pay uh, the cost of this portal for the waste and most of the time electronic products end in the streets uh, when you're moving out and you, you need to really quickly get rid of a lot of products which you won't use in your new offices and most of the time yes you can uh, you can just uh, discover a lot of things in the street just because uh, it was uh, there was no solution uh, wow. for for this uh, for this second -hand product most of our clients which is quite um, quite interesting uh, had no previous service uh, to uh, to get rid of electronic products or so we are not replacing another service because we are better. It's just the first time they were thinking about getting rid of uh, second-hand IT while respecting the environment. Mm. Especially for SMEs, um, for startup and scale-up, uh, because they are new companies. Of course, they have no experience. We are working also for some public uh, services organization. Um, but it, this is also true for quite... Uh, uh, companies, so from, for example, CAC 40 companies in France, mm -hmm. um, because the, maybe they had a, a contract in the past with a recycler, but they don't know really what was happening, what is the contract. This is quite, you know, a, a gray area. Mm. And they're very happy to come back with a service with some figures, with some images, with some uh, uh, clarity and traceability. And of course, the result at the end of the impact on the uh, CO2 emissions. Mm. And just to clarify what you what you were saying at the start of that, so you give companies an estimate for what it's what it's going to cost them to have Zach process this equipment, and um, then in seventy percent of the cases, you're able to reduce that cost by giving them something back from the resale and so on. So that's that's a big bonus for people, isn't it? To um, yeah, this is what I back. love about circular economy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is what quite incredible about circular economy is that if you just respect the environment and you uh, you are smart uh, while uh, while using resources and while consuming, at the end this is a win-win for everybody, win 
for the service provider, of course, but win for the company, win for the environment. Everybody wins something. And at the end, this is a financial benefit. Mm. And of course, maybe you you will have other benefits in terms of uh, brand communication, in terms of, uh, uh, of course, saying to the CSI part, you can... Uh, uh, you can prove to your investors that you are respecting the environment and maybe you're going to, uh, maybe, uh, I don't know, it's going to be easier for you to gain some money from the banks or if you go public and so on, because this is something that is really important today to raise some money. So everybody wins um, at the end of the day if you if you choose this solution, yes, mm. clearly. Yeah. And then there's a there's another big benefit of using Zach in terms of the social impact. You know, there's another part of your business model yeah. um, that, that makes a big impact in terms of the people working at Zach. Can you explain mm. a bit about that for us, Pierre Emmanuel? Yeah, sure. With pleasure. Well, um, this is quite simple. Our logistics center, which is located near Paris uh, in the 94 department at Bonneuil-sur-Marne, it is a center uh, which employs people in uh, professional reinsertion. So, for example, it, it's people that um, are learning French because they don't master French enough to uh, to be able to work in a classic company, I would say. Uh, it could be some people that haven't worked for years and so they have lost a bit the habits, um, classic habits, um, which are mandatory to work in a company. Uh, such as uh, respecting uh, schedules, such as the organization, such as uh, uh, how to uh, to respect management and so on. Um, we have people that have fled from uh, some uh, uh, very complicated some from war countries, uh, refugees from war countries. So you have a lot of different um, situations, and these people um, can uh, stay two years maximum in this logistic center. And most of, on average, as they spend one year in this logistics center, and so the idea is that they are trained uh, into uh, our logistic uh, operations. Uh, they are trained to um, to apply uh, our way of doing things uh, from Zach, and then one year after, they can candidate to uh, to other companies. And uh, our rate of reinsertion is very high. I think it's ninety uh, percent. So this is very something that. Uh, that works and that help people to um, to come from a, a complicated background and then to find a, a new job and a, a stable job, I would say. Mm. And circular economy and um, um, and I would say the CSR sector has really uh, led the way in this uh, in this example because a lot of uh, uh, refurbishing companies, a lot of uh, companies, yeah, in the circular economy sector. For example, I think to to Veja, you know, the shoes. As sustainable shoes mm. uh, have used the professional reinsertion uh, as well um, because we want to link you know the impact on the environment uh, and the societal impact everything is linked so uh, you know the values uh, are quite uh, are quite similar so this is no this is not a surprise that we choose this way of, of doing uh, logistics uh, if we are a circular economy company yeah and it sounds amazing in terms of the um, the range of skills that they can learn and even just improving people's confidence because they're in a work situation and, um, you know, they then got a, got the right experience that they can talk about in, in, uh, in interviews exactly. rather than um, feeling so adrift from working life that they, um, you know, it's, it's an imaginary process. Um, 
Um, and this is a place where we, we don't care where you, where you come from. Um, we don't care if you have made uh, some, some studies. Uh, we're just interested in you and what you can do. Uh, you are giving some, uh, uh, some responsibilities. Yet you, and so, yeah, totally you're right. You, you earn a lot of confidence by doing so. And then you can use this confidence to, uh, to come out once more time in the society, maybe a more wide world and maybe more um, a world that uh, is maybe more complicated. But in this space this is something that you are very protected and you are yes uh, trained to, uh, uh, to to be reinserted really it sounds like a really excellent initiative and and um, you know adding adding lots of value to all sorts of people and what about plans for the next the next phase is this a um, is going to be a sixth um, economic model for Zach or, or something else what what have you got on the agenda for um, for the next phase? No, I think I think I'm finger crossed. Uh, we have found the right economic model. Uh, but there are some some new projects. Um, uh, first, we want to continue to innovate in terms of um, ways of collecting products. Uh, for example, we have uh, created um, uh, the possibility for a company, uh, a 100% remote company, uh, to be able also to collect products from their colleagues. So basically, this is a digital tool. Uh, everybody can send products from their homes, um, and then we uh, we do our service. Uh, we are also able to um, to organize um, collects from collaborators, uh, so their their own products, not products owned by the company, but their own products. They can uh, take them back into company offices. And then at the end, we do the same service. And we have also made a partnership with an artist which is, uh, who is able to, um, um, to create uh, pieces of art thanks to e-waste. And so this is a, a type of upcycling. Uh, so we really want to, uh, you know, to, yeah, to, to be able to create uh, just uh, the, the, the ways of collecting that are going to fit for customers uh, and they're going to help us, uh, help everybody uh, ready to get rid of used products because most of the time you don't have the time uh, you don't want to, you want to do it but you don't know how to help the beginner and then this is uh, just a classic uh, uh, geographical expansion so we are now in france and belgium and we are a lot contacted by uh, some um, uh, partners uh, in italy uh, spain and germany and uh, maybe uh, one day it's going to be the right time to uh, to deliver our service into these countries. But as I've said before, it's not easy to uh, replicate because each time we uh, begin our activity in a country, we have to um, uh, just to, to do everything and to find the right partners because uh, uh, if you don't have a local chain, you are not able to reduce uh, the emissions. Mm -hmm. So this is a, a big, big, big uh, uh, step ahead of us each time we want to, to open a new country. Mm. And the waste legislation is is in Europe means you can't move things that are classified as waste across borders, and exactly. also thinking about the um, the extended producer responsibility regulations for yeah. waste electricals, they're implemented slightly differently across each country in Europe, aren't they? The way we do things in the UK, you know, from mm. the um, the EU way of doing things um was was slightly different um yeah that's right so i guess i guess there's all that to to get to grips with as well and so 
over the over the years since the startup in 2015, what have you struggled with, and and what surprised you in the process of building Zach? Yeah, what is um, what is really frustrating, I would say, is the fact that uh, even if everybody said that, uh, well, climate change and waste is a big problem, uh, at the end of the day, you have a cognitive bias, um, which is really uh, only linked to the short term and the price. Mm. So uh, everything is related to the price. You're going to buy some things that you like or use a service that you like if the price uh, is uh, the lowest, uh, if you agree to, to the price. Um, and when I say short-term bias, also it's climate change is something we are realizing, but we are not experiencing climate change every day. Uh, this summer was particular uh, for, for some countries, but even if you, you know there is a problem, you're not going to change everything radically uh, right now, uh, even if you have the proof that there is a problem. And for example, we have a lot of companies saying, uh, yeah, this is e-waste, it's a giant problem, we want to fight against e-waste, we are ready to give you our e-waste, but we are not ready to pay for a service that's going to take care of e-waste and recycling in respect of the environment. We don't understand why we have to pay for the second life of our products. In other words, we don't understand why we have to take responsibility for what uh, we are producing and for the waste we are producing. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's lots of evidence, isn't there, to say that um, people say they will prioritise the environment above other things, but then when it comes to the action, um, the cost is still a big part of that. And talking of cognitive yeah. bias, and I think I mentioned this um, on... Uh, it's not a, not a podcast that's gone out yet, but I've, I've mentioned it recently. A book I've been reading called Willful Blindness by Margaret Heffernan. And in one of the chapters, okay. she talk, talks about how in decision-making processes, when money comes into the equation, that kind of crowds out all other considerations. As soon as you bring money in, it's as if our brains mm. can't cope, can't prioritise ethics and morals and... Um, you know, any any other factor over money. As soon as money's in there, it has to trump everything else. So that's yeah. that's really interesting. And and I suppose the point of the book is to alert you to all the ways that you can you can be subject to cognitive blindness and you know willful willful blindness yourself, so that you can start to spot those potential pitfalls. Um, but that's, it's very that's complicated a tricky to, one. to change yeah. that. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. a tricky one. Yeah. For, for example, in the latest law in France, or law uh, anti anti gaspillage, law anti gaspillage, so anti waste uh, law, uh, there was this idea of um, um, durability mm -hmm. uh, index. So each uh, electronic product received a grade saying mm -hmm. that. Um, in terms of durability, this is a, a good student or bad student, uh, something that uh, that can last uh, forever or something that will need to be repaired uh, in, in one year and two years. I think this is an excellent idea, but um, I'm looking forward to see if people change their habits when they have, you know, the price, this index, another product with uh, um, maybe a higher price, but with a, a better index. What will they? What will they do? Mm. Um, is it really possible that they, they switch and they change habits? Not sure about it, and uh, we have to to look uh, for the the consequences and the first uh, uh, the first results uh, in the coming years. 
Yeah, I agree. I'm thinking of comparisons of um, cost per hundred grams of food and things when you're trying to compare. You know, some t- some supermarkets have it on the shelf edge so that you can kind of see whether buying the bigger format product is actually a saving or not. Yeah, def- definitely. And that's that's what we need is more more information, isn't it? And Pierre Emmanuel, if you were to give advice to a business wanting to go circular or start something circular from what you've learned so mm-hmm. far, what would your number one tip be for them? Well, if you have an existing business, what is quite incredible in circular economy is that you can do some circular uh, change all along the value chain. So uh, you can begin by the, the conception. Uh, you can then look at your supply chain. You can, of course, look at your distribution model. You can just see if it is possible to um, to create a service model, uh, for example, renting. Uh, you can see if you are already uh, taking care of your products uh, or the second life of your products or not, if you can create a new business model. Luxury companies have understood that very uh, uh, very quickly. For example, you have uh, this uh, company called Watchfinder that mm. um, buys back uh, some uh, luxury watches uh, and it has been bought very quickly by Richemont, so the big group, yes. because they were able to do two, um, they, they were selling two times the same products and they have internally all the capabilities to check uh, the, the, the watches and then to, uh, to sell them back. So my first thing would be you have to have uh, uh, somebody responsible in your company at a very high level looking at all your company you can do some circular business in your corner every company that try to uh, have a, you know a sustainable director or circular director uh, in a small corner with uh, a small budget uh, with no uh, with no power this is a, a bit the same for the public policy by the way uh, you have absolutely no results mm. so circular economy is about the ecosystem is about embracing everything you do and making some synergies and making some links between your units. And so my first tip will be really considered what you have been doing, historically speaking, every capabilities you have internally, and I'm sure you have one, two, or maybe three um, very quick, quick wins, circular quick wins that you can do very easily. And then the second tip will be uh, um, build uh, your ecosystem, uh, which is also based on your partners, on your clients, um, and most of the time, you can also mutualize a lot of things with your existing ecosystem. You don't need to, uh, uh, I don't know, to create a, a lot of new connections. Uh, I don't know to have a very complicated uh, uh, circular consulting companies and so on. Very quickly, you can work with your existing ecosystem and make some uh, some intelligent new partnerships based on the better consumption of natural resources and the reduction of CO2 emissions. Mm. So, yeah, get talking to them and um, find out who, who in your existing ecosystem mm. is already thinking about circular and what the mutual opportunities might be. Mm. Thanks. That's that's a, an, interesting, an interesting tip. And, yes, I remember spotting that news, I think it was a couple of years ago, wasn't it, about um, Watchfinder and, and Richemont and thinking, yeah. you know, that's that's an example of, of a company realising that its own business model could be undermined by Circular. Um, and so let, yeah. let's acquire the Circular specialist. And, exactly. Um, Pierre-Emmanuel, who would you recommend as a future guest for the programme? Is there anybody you think would be good for us to interview? 
Yeah, I would recommend so Maud Sarda. I don't know if you um, um, already heard of her. Uh, she is a co-founder, incredible co-founder and uh, CEO of Label Emmaüs, uh, which is one of the leading uh, digital marketplace uh, for second egg products. So this is also a link uh, between, you know, uh, the impact, uh, the social impact and the environmental impact. And she has managed to build an incredible ecosystem with a lot of people in terms of beneficiaries, in terms of merchants, and it's working very well. This is a successful model. And she's very inspiring to uh, to describe what we can do to uh, really build a circular model. So uh, I would be uh, very happy that uh, you'd be invited by, by doing a podcast for you and, uh, and your listeners. Thank you. I'll follow up with that. It's um, a while since we talked to anybody who had a marketplace. And again, the whole thing about reusing and prioritizing that instead of just, um, you know, yeah. some, some new generation materials or a bit of recyclability. It's, it's important to get those messages out. And how can people find out more and get in touch with you and Zach? Yeah, do, do not hesitate to, uh, to use my email. So I will give you uh, my email. This is P-E. Uh, at Zach, Z-A-C-K, that ECO. So if you want to, if you have any questions, you want to know more about what we're doing, if you want to do some partnerships in France or abroad to fight together against e-waste, do not hesitate to send an email. It would be a great pleasure. Excellent. Thank you, Pierre-Emmanuel. And good luck with the with the next phase. It sounds like you're going to be moving in all sorts of different directions on your mission to help create businesses that reduce climate impact as well as reducing reducing waste and advancing the circular economy and the social um, enterprise side of things as well so thank you very much thank you very much for the invitation i loved hearing pierre emmanuel's story about how they tested the minimum viable product for zach using lean startup principles with door-to-door collections at berkeley doing that clarified their value proposition providing a convenient way for people to dispose of electronics in the right way, with the potential to recover some value at the same time. As Pierre-Emmanuel explained, it can be difficult to find the best commercial model. And they've tried around five different economic models since starting out in 2015. The ability to sense when something isn't ideal and then tweak, iterate and pivot is a key ingredient of successful entrepreneurship. You may have noticed how Zach's operating processes followed the waste hierarchy with every item pre-inspected at the customer's premises to understand what can be resold, repaired, donated to charity and lastly recycled. Zach then provides a report on how they've succeeded with that, listing the impacts on emissions and materials in a format suitable for customers to include in their corporate social responsibility, CSR reports. It's a sign of Zach's commitment that that it's now pushing refurbishers to accept new types of products, aiming to expand the market for reuse and refurbishing. I love hearing about businesses creating social value, and Zach's operations help migrants and people who've struggled to get employment to develop the skills and confidence they need. Zach's website lists a number of charity partners supporting them with that. And it sounded as though Zach has lots of ideas for its evolution and expansion, helping give a second life to many more electronics. Now, a quick bit of Rethink Global news. 
I'm involved in a support event for the COP26 climate talks, organised by the United Nations Association in Scotland on Tuesday the 19th of October at 6pm UK time. I'll be talking about how circular approaches help zero carbon goals and what we can all do to be circular change makers. And then I'll be in conversation with Ian Gulland, the head of Zero Waste Scotland. The event is free and there'll be plenty of opportunities for challenging questions. I'll put a booking link in the show notes at circuleconomypodcast.com. Lastly, I'm finalising a couple of articles challenging the false solutions we're seeing. Initiatives that are circular, but aren't improving sustainability. Head over to rethinkglobal.info if you want to sign up for our occasional newsletters, so you always get to see our latest work. So there you go, another episode of the Circular Economy podcast. Thank you to our guests this week, Pierre-Emmanuel Saint-Esprit, and also to Philippine Marier and Thomas Pradal for making the interview possible. You can find out more and follow Pierre-Emmanuel and Zach on LinkedIn and check out the other links we mentioned in the show notes at circulareconomypodcast.com. That's it for this episode of the Circular Economy Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a review and tell your friends and colleagues. The Circular Economy podcast is brought to you by Rethink Global, helping you use circular, sustainable approaches to make a better world for people, planet and your business. Get in touch via the website or connect with me on LinkedIn. If you'd like to learn more about the circular economy, why not go back and listen to episode one or buy the new edition of my award-winning book, A Circular Economy Handbook, How to Build a More Resilient, Competitive and Sustainable Business, which takes you through the concepts and practicalities, including lots of real examples from around the world. Make sure you get the edition with the orange cover, which has a new chapter on packaging, lots of extra examples and updated research in every chapter. You can find resources and links mentioned in today's episode, as well as a transcript of the conversation at rethinkglobal.info, where you can find out how we help you succeed with Circular.